Price for Wednesday, September 6, 2023. Coming in from the GoGo Sports Studio built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center downtown Vancouver if you're looking for a place to stay. Matt Sikers alongside Blake Price, Grace Sass, Hidden Switches, Conducting Things. And this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're right now at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Richmond. Get the 23 Sentra starting at $83 weekly, the 23 Rogue starting at $99 weekly, and the 23 Pathfinder SL, $318 bi-weekly because, Blake Price, it is all good. At Applewood. Indeed it is. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you. I mean, it almost became the uh, punchline of the Canucks summer. Every time Rick Tockett opened his mouth towards the end of last year and on the few occasions that he was available here through the off season, great summer. So we're asking, which player do you think had a great summer? For Coach Tockett, you can vote for Brock Besser, Andre Kuzmenko, Vasily Podkolzin, or you can vote other, and please do specify in reply if you're voting other. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day from me. I don't care if Travis Kelsey's hurt. I don't care if Chris Jones is playing. They've got Patrick Mahomes, and Kansas City on opening day with Mahomes is undefeated. He's thrown 18 touchdowns to zero interceptions. I do think Detroit's better this year, but I'm still not buying it till I see it. The champs, minus five at home tomorrow in the curtain lifter of the 2023 NFL season on your Bodog line of the day. Our own Jeff Patterson is uh, out watching the Vancouver Canucks on the ice today. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock Besser addressing the offseason, mm-hmm. saying, quote, I changed gyms and tried something new. I've been working really hard and started in the gym a little earlier. I've been skating hard, and I'm just trying to take it a day at a time. I'm excited to be out here early to skate with the guys, end quote. Did he promise 30 goals this year? He did not. That's He's waiting that, for training that's camp. That's training camp. Okay. That's training camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my understanding is uh Besser had been working out in the summers for many years with a a regular trainer who was a friend, and that this summer the decision was made that he needs a different voice. And um, as you know, with Brock, I think there's uh, loyalty there, so I don't necessarily think um, this was an easy decision. And in part, you know, professional athletes get to where they get, and so... You know, to tell them, look, to take the next level, to take the next step, you need to change your – that's oftentimes met with, well, what I've been doing so far has got me to a good place, and I completely get it. But it was clear that Tockett wanted some changes here across the board, that he wanted some changes specifically with Besser, and kudos to him and his camp representation for taking that – Good advice and putting it into practice. I mean, we, you know, we'll talk about Vasily put Coles in here in a second. I think it's a crossroads year for him. But how many crossroads has Brock Besser gotten to? This is yet another one. Twenty six years old. He'll be twenty seven in February. Of course, asked for then rescinded a trade request. He's got two more years here on his deal with the Vancouver Canucks at six point six million. And if the Canucks are going to be interested in keeping Brock Besser, because as you noted, Blake, 
he may have rescinded his trade request, but that doesn't mean that the Vancouver Canucks are done talking right. trade with Brock Besser no. around the league. This is a massive season for him. He needs to be a part of the solution as not just a playmaker and offensive contributor, which is kind of what he's morphed into, but going back to being that goal scorer, and I think more importantly even for Tockett, being a trustworthy defensive player where if you do suffer from a lack of pace, and we'll see about his pace because we'd all like to see that improve and believe it can improve, but if you're not going to be a pacey player, then at least you have to be a high IQ in the right spot, read the play, hockey sense defensive player. The uh, the risk here for a Canuck fan is that they're going to see this quote, they're going to see this revelation and think, oh my God, he's going to be a different player. And sometimes, sometimes players on switches like this do show up, but it's not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. It's not a guarantee. Um, proof is going to be in the pudding here. You can hope, and I think everybody is, because whether or not you want him to remain a Vancouver Canuck forevermore or you want him to recoup some asset value and become a marketable trade option, both of those things would be helped by mm-hmm. him being a different player of sorts when he shows up here at training camp. So we will see. Um, it's going to take uh, a while to assess what changes have been made, I think. I think mm-hmm. we're going to have to see a few preseason games to have any sort of um, real read on, on whether or not there's noticeable changes there. It, it doesn't have to take a long time. I mean, I remember that fateful summer that Bo Horvat came back and we were like, whoa, mm-hmm. he's fast. What the heck? Um, and I think Canuck fans are going to point to it and say, no, no, Blake, it's possible. And no, it is possible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not regular. That doesn't have right. either, otherwise every player would do it, folks. Every player would just make a, a tweak and all of a sudden come back a wildly different player. It's not necessarily that yeah. simple. I voted Pud Colson. And the reason I voted Pud Colson is several fold. Number one, let's face it, he had a very difficult campaign complete with a demotion. I think it's a crossroads season for him as well. He strikes me as the type of guy who may well respond to the tough love that he was given. He was a new coach here, so a fresh start. He stayed in Vancouver. He became a father. And I still just refuse to believe that what we've seen out of Vasily Colson is what he is. I think there's a better hockey player in there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think there's to me at bare minimum there's a regular third line winger there, if not better. But I think there's a regular third line winger in there for sure. Mm-hmm. I hope he realizes it. He's still very young. I mean, I think at this point it's clear that he was rushed to the NHL. He was not ready for the well, role. His, his but, size was tempting enough. Yeah, to, to, I mean, to give it a rip. And his intelligence. I think yeah. he's a smart player too. 22 years old now, it's it's go time for mm-hmm. Vasily Putkolson. We put Kuzmenko on there because of his Indonesian venture, and of course, you heard his agent on our show, Dan Milstein, last week, talking about everything that, uh, that uh, Kuzmenko went through with regards to making sure that he got in better shape this year and fully acknowledged, you know, he was KHL shape last year. Yeah. And that needed to improve. Now, yesterday... And thank you to Jeff for sitting on in for me. Thanks to Trevor and Tim for sitting in for Grady. Good to have you back. You've been very quiet there. 
Yeah, just getting back into the swing of things mm-hmm. over here. Mm. When does hockey season begin for you? Now, training camp or at the season opener? What did the people say, Blake? Uh, training camp. Very good. Percentage? Uh, three options. I'll go 49. 45. Hmm. Basketball Phil says when the first bag skate happens, <laughs> a.k.a. when Oliu Levy is laying face first prone in the corner. Oh, Canuck says, that won't be happening here. No. Canuck says young stars and look forward to attending next week. Young stars and Penn Ticknan at the South Okanagan Event Center. Fantastic event. Look forward to hanging out at Neighborhood with our friends there. Mm-hmm. Wandering down to Yellow Dog, getting a beer on their patio if the weather cooperates. I sure hope it will. And getting out and playing some golf. Yeah. Including with Sikerson Price listener Todd Tweedy, who's the pro at Inkamy. Looking forward to it. Jay says when they start playing preseason games, so he's splitting hairs there a little bit, and fair enough. When 20 Canucks in uniform hit the ice, even if it's an exhibition preseason game. And Leaf says when Tyler Myers gets his bonus. Well, nine days away, Leaf. Getting close. Get the advent calendar out. As for, oh, and incidentally, thank you to everybody for all the feedback on Monday's Labor Day show with Piero Manetta and Juggy Bajwa. Uh, had a blast putting that together. Uh, finally meeting the guy who sits behind the glass at the visitor's bench at Rogers Arena. Been seeing him there for 20 years. And just a fabulous guy in real life. And, oh, but a nickel for every listener who wanted to tell me who that guy is, what he's done, and how he's affiliated in some way, shape, or form. Anyways, if, he's a fantastic sport about all that. And it was great to sort of unveil the guy that you've been seeing there on television for 20-plus years. And uh, as he told us, he's developed some great relationships there. Yeah. Uh, with NHL players and personnel and Rogers Trainers and staff. And, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. In a section, of course, that's undergoing a lot of change, right? Uh, with this new club seating, fancy club seating coming into play. Uh, it's PTO season, and Danton Heinen, local product here, going back to the Bruins on a PTO. Noah Gregor, a centerman, going to Toronto on a PTO. If I'm not mistaken, those are two names that JPAT has kicked around as potential PTOs. Heinen, to me, made some sense. Bigger winger, local product. I mean, he's coming off 16 goals two years ago. Of course, these things cost you nothing, so the Vancouver Canucks could well be scouting Boston Bruins training camp and think that there's a role there for Heinen. Uh, Gregor's a former Western Hockey League center. In fact, remember watching him uh, in the Georgia Strait series a number of years ago between the Royals and the Giants out at the LEC. Family member of Jason Gregor out mm-hmm. in Edmonton. Right. Uh, his nephew, I believe. Uh, so I anticipate hearing some P- uh, at, le- at least one PTO from the Vancouver Canucks. Remember last year it was Danny DeKaiser. Yeah. What what position do you think they would be willing well, to give I, a tester? I mean, another right shot defenseman, perhaps? That would probably be ideal. I mean, it kind of depends on their Tyler Myers plans, but defense is where my headspace first went. To, to, to me, Matt Irwin is their PTO. Eminently yeah. variable, um, veteran guy, hanging on to the end of his career. Like he serves that that purpose. I think you know, mm. bra- emergency break under glass defenseman. I think they've already got that guy mm. in Matt Irwin. 
I don't know that they need another look see. Unless All right. it, unless Are you it, thinking center then? I mean, I honestly, I, I just don't know that there's anybody out there that makes a ton of sense. Well, of course not. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, sense. Yeah. It, like, I mean, it costs who, you nothing. So they all sort of make sense. At the very least, they all can come in and compete. Push guys like push Jolson guys, and, Rue, and of course, you don't care if they get hurt in preseason. I would. I, I thought the two Edmonton guys were Gagne and and Sutter. Sutter. You know, those were the kind of mm-hmm. profile. But right now, with the Suter signing, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it would take an injury for there to be a hole. I think. Speaking of Myers, um, heard him speak on the wildfire situation in Kelowna, where he lives in the off season, and thankfully his home was spared damage, but. The quote, grab the kids, get out of there. He went on to say, you feel for all the people that were really affected losing their homes to see a lot of the community support from everyone around. It was great to see that. Hopefully it can recover as fast as possible. Yeah, he was right in the mix there mm-hmm. during the wildfires. As for a Myers trade, and this was pointed out by our friends at the Daily Hive and Offside, not a lot of teams as of this moment could straight add Myers, the entirety of the salary. Nashville, Buffalo, Chicago, and Anaheim are playing with cap space. The Panthers and Flyers may well have additional cap space based on injury situations. So, and of course, he's got some trade protection. So as we as we have long talked, Blake, this is not an easy trade to make. No. The time of year that you're making it, Mid to late September, the cap situation around the league, the flat cap or effectively flat cap for one more season, his trade protection and what he's able to veto. So, and there's a good case, and I've made it over the course of the summer, that if you think you're a playoff team or you aspire to be a playoff team, then Tyler Myers is probably better than a lot of your options on the right side. You're going to need depth on the right side anyway, and you may well be better off keeping him unless you receive an offer that either A, helps the club as much as Myers portends to this year, or B, is just such a good asset you couldn't possibly say no. Like if someone offered a second-round pick right now, Blake, I think you'd have to take that with an eye to the future. If someone's looking to get Myers on the cheap, you know, a C-level prospect, a fifth-round pick or something like that, then I think I might just say thanks but no thanks and play it out this year because you're going to have another opportunity at the deadline too. And, of course, the deadline prices can be higher. And big right-shot defensemen tend to be in demand. Yes. For playoff clubs. Yeah, I I think it's... Well, we're going to know pretty soon, I think, after the 15th, Mm -hmm. what the Canucks plans were there. Another thing I want to note here, I saw on the Athletic, Scott Wheeler Wheeler and Harmon Dial had a list of Calder candidates for this year. Archer Siloff's made their honorable mentions. Two thoughts here. Mm -hmm. Number one, Blake, is there a world where Archer Siloff's comes in and just blows everybody's doors off? And we sit there and go, Wow. We're looking at two great goaltender options again, much like in the thing one, thing two days of Roberto Luanco and Corey Schneider. Pick up right where he left off at the World Championship. Right. Which it seems like forever ago. But yeah, it's... 
He did well. And then second thought, does Archer Silloff lose some of the shine he picked up from the Worlds if Spencer Martin emerges as the backup goaltender at the end of preseason? No, it, I think at Archer Silov's age, I think he gets the benefit of the doubt of being still a young guy. I mean, it, it, it's it's a lot to be a National Hockey League goaltender on a night-to-night basis, even if you're not the starter. Just to to be there and to perform at that level and the preparation and all that, I, I, I don't know that I would see that as a, uh, a fault of his if he's not – in the National Hockey League. So it's not it's not NHL or bust for me for Archer Seelofs. I, I no. think at his age, we're still thinking next year is sort of go time to be a regular yep. NHL contributor. But, but I think a lot of people are excited about him, and rightfully so. Sure. But he's 22. Mm-hmm. Not many. First of all, you don't like to have 22-year-old backups often because you want no. them playing. So and so as a result, unless you're a, a shooting but, but star, I'm not goalie. talking. You know, my scenario too isn't talking about. Uh, oh, we, let's send him down because he he needs games. It's if Spencer Martin fundamentally just wins the job, but it's going to be through a lens, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, I think there's a world in which the Canucks want Spencer Martin to win the job. They would rather that to be the case. They would rather Seelofs was the def- the unequivocal starter in Abbotsford. That's better for everybody involved. So they're going to see it through that. Le- the, right now, the tie goes to Martin, right? Mm-hmm. So, so he's got the leg up. BC Lions heading into their bye week after the victory in Montreal and a very good one, then got some help with Saskatchewan beating Winnipeg. So one game back of the Bombers, who are here October 6th at BC Place. Lions away this week, then home to Ottawa next week. Of course, now got to watch for a surging Riders team. And the BC Football Hall of Fame announcing its 2023 class today, and it's a terrific one. John Cornish of New Westminster, a three-time CFL Most Outstanding Canadian, of course, a league MVP, really changed the perception of how we saw Canadian tailbacks. You saw a lot of Canadians playing that position after Cornish blazed a trail here. That used to be the case way back in the day. You'd see a lot of Canadian halfbacks, as they called them. But more recently, it has been a very heavy American position in the CFL. Well, John Cornish came around after he started a career at Kansas University. So let's see about that. And, of course, we all know Andrew Harris and others, Brady Oliveira and Winnipeg. Joining him, two stalwarts of the early 2000s, Don Matthews, Montreal Alouettes, Great Cup teams, Brian Chu, one of the smartest and most likable people I've encountered in 25 years covering the Canadian football league. He's the head coach at Vancouver College now. Will Loftus, who's now out at UBC, but was a terrific safety and special teamer for both the Alouettes and an Edmonton team that won a Great Cup. Mark Pencil McDonald, former UW player, played for Winnipeg in the CFL, recently coached at South Delta. Howard Samura, good for Howard. He, des- he Howard belongs in every Hall of Fame that's out there here in British Columbia for his work chronicling high school and amateur sports. A couple of administrators here to shout out: shout out Larry Donahoe, who's been a coach and a support person at Carson Graham for many many years. Terry Kehoe, an administrator as well, and then Kay Ackles and Dennis Skulski. And, of course, in Skulski's case, just inducted as uh, a water boy to the Lions Wall of Fame. So congratulations to all of them. They'll be honored prior to the September 16th game at, 
at BC Place. Hoops. Boy, oh boy. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You never know if Luka Doncic is just going to say, on my back, Slovenia. Yeah, exactly. They're a good, they're a good wow. team anyway. But he says that in the NBA, too. He does. He does. He's a bit of a one-man show no matter where he plays. So I was fully ready for this to be a nail-biter, nail and it kind of was. It was a close game through two and a half quarters anyway. 50-50 at the half. Yeah. But, hey, we've got depth now. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Two guys at 24 points or better in Barrett and and uh, SGA, and uh, some feistiness, too. Mm-hmm. Brooks getting ejected, ultimately Doncic as well. Um, and it's a double-digit win. 189, Luca ejected for arguing with the referees, picked up a second technical. This was after Canada's Dylan Brooks was ejected, and boy, has he been a scrappy player, both in last year's NBA playoffs and here at the FIBA World Cup. Luca in the postgame praised Canada and said it was very difficult guarding Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who finishes with 31 points, a team high. Then Brooks met his team wearing boxing gloves in the tunnel. And for those who think it was a a jab or a play on his scrappiness and feistiness on the court, no, Coach Jordy Fernandez has used a bunch of boxing theme analogies with this club talking about landing body blows and things of that nature. So the gloves correspond to that. Mm -hmm. Canada versus Serbia, USA versus Germany in the semifinals of this tournament. Canada is favored to win, and Blake, it is happening. May not happen for you and I because I believe tip-off is 1.45 a.m. on (laughs) Is it one forty-five a.m.? I believe it's at an ungodly hour. Oh my gosh, that's too bad. So it, it's it's been a difficult watch um, because of when these games have been scheduled in Asia. And of course, Canada played its opening round games in Jakarta. Yeah, but yeah. It, Difficult time zones, fire up the PVR, get up early with a pot of coffee. But I the guess. good news is is that it has been accomplished that they mm-hmm. are into the uh, the uh, Olympics, mm-hmm. which will have much better time zones for us being yeah, in Europe. In, in Paris. Yeah. Uh, baseball, the Mariners have lost three in a row here. They blow a game in Cincinnati that they had fully under control last night. Two home runs from Julio Rodriguez. It is not enough. And they fall from the division lead. In the AL West, which is now held down by the Houston Astros, a Toronto victory in Oakland against a. Did you watch any of the Blue Jays game last night? Just how pathetic! Like the pathos that's in the air there in Oakland. Like there's four thousand people there. Yeah, there's more at Nat Bailey Stadium on a night to night basis than there is in the Oakland Coliseum. I thought looking at the outfield, I was like, you know what? It, it's it's too bad because it was it was a nice. I could see the ball, and then they turn around, they show the dugout, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> it looks like a horror. No, movie. exactly. Like There's the nobody dugout. in things. Well, and, and the other thing is, it's like, and first of all, I love when they play in the Pacific Time Zone. You get yeah. This. So I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm texting with friends, and we're talking about the M's blowing the lead, and we're talking about how Texas is leaking oil here as well, and we all agree at like zero zero in the sixth inning. This is a big game. But it hardly felt that way. There wasn't a run on the board. There was nobody in the park. 
the Jays go on to win. They now move into the wild card position, which they had seeded in recent weeks. They leapfrog the Rangers. And Blake, Toronto has Kansas City here. Another absolutely wretched team. The two worst teams in the American League. Their, calendar, their schedule the, was after easy. After the Oakland finale here this afternoon, the Blue Jays move on to a series with Kansas City. Yeah. Who and Oakland and Kansas City have already been eliminated from playoff participation, even though there's many games left. So, and then they come home to face the Texas Rangers. So you've got a. So it's, it's either minnows or or direct competition. Well, which it's, is sort of the best case scenario up here. Yeah, but you, you know, a game against a middling good team, but a non playoff team that doesn't really do you much good, and it's dangerous. Right now, they're either playing terrible teams mm-hmm. or they're playing teams where you win and you're immediately gaining ground. So, I, so those are good. I say come home. They face Kansas City at home, and then Texas, and then meanwhile, Seattle, not an easy go. You got to go down to Tampa here, who. Of course, they're missing Wander Franco now, but they're going down to Tampa to play four against the Rays, who are already in playoff position. Vancouver Canadians playing their final series of the regular season. They snap a five-game losing streak. They uh, were not very good here in their final home series at the Nat. They'd been so extraordinary all year. Anyways, they're down in Tri-City, out of Maco. Five scoreless innings for the Slovak slash Irish slash Canadian pitcher, left-hander. And, of course, the Seas will be hosting at least one game of the North Northwest League Championship Series later this month. They host games four and five if necessary as well. They were the best team in the first half. They're awaiting their opponent. They've had some roster turnover as well, so they're, they're dealing with all those sorts of things. But right. they'll be ready for the, uh, for the championship. Uh, let's get to today's menu. You mentioned this, but Jeff Patterson features on the interview we do with Frankie Corrado later in the program. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including veteran NHL backup goalie available in Montreal as well. Bruce Boudreaux finds a new gig. We'll go to the people and never a bad time to send us a hot take and tell me I'm wrong or comment on any of the segments or social posts you've seen here on Sikharison Price, you can text 778-402-9680 to the Great Clips text message inbox, email live at SikharisonPrice.com, Twitter, at Sikharison Price. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect 
And I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the Bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here, right now. First week of school. Are they excited? I wouldn't say that. No. No. Back to routines. Mm Mm-hmm. Catching up on the Vancouver Canucks. I know you unplugged for a lot of the summer. That was happens. Me. You unplugged. What for do you the mean summer? it was you? You've been working all summer. You were working That's with us. Last two we weeks, covered the Vancouver I Canucks. Plugged, uh, unplugged. Last two weeks, okay. It's a bit frightening for us to hear, <laughs> as you can imagine, because we were wondering if you just checked out for the last two months. I, I wish he it would I, explain a couple things. Kind of hoping he plugs up now. <laughs> Back. Backstreet's back. So here's what you missed. Patterson's last dance, question mark. Canucks star center said he would not be signing a long-term extension with the club. He's entering the final year of his contract. Club has one more year control after this one. But it's now clear the Canucks have to show progress to entice Patterson to stay. His agent admitted that yesterday with Donnie and Dolly. Coach Rick Tockett acknowledged that. Last week in an interview with Sportsnet. High stakes game this season with regards to a star player whom, and I know you've taken this on, Jeff has as well. If he pull, if he bolts because you can't build a winner, watch out. Because others may follow, and then you've got a significant problem with player recruitment. Free agency. Canucks crew muted praise, I think it's fair to say. They added four NHL players on low-cost, low-commitment contracts. A vast improvement over the shopping sprees of Canada days of yesteryear. Carson Soucy, three years, three and a quarter. Ian Cole, one year at three million. Teddy Bluger, one year at 1.9. And later, Pew Suter, two years, 1.6. They should help the team's penalty killing, if not its offense. J.T. Miller comes out firing. You'll remember that illuminating interview on the Cam and Strick podcast. Canucks forward said he could write a book about the shit show that has been the last couple of gears. Don't blame him. Miller ripped Vancouver media, but also acknowledged that he enjoys stirring the pot. How much Kessler do you think he has in him with regards to, oh, I'm going to rip the media, but you know I enjoy stirring the pot, wink. I don't think he enjoys it as much as Kessler. No, I don't think so either. I don't think he has reached Kessler level sort of trolling wink. Kessler had evil tongue-in-cheek, but um, Mm -hmm. there was tongue-in-cheek. There were scrums with Kessler where he was the grumpiest grump who ever grumped. And as soon as the tally lights and microphones were set down, there'd be a wink and a smile and a a knowing little shit-eating grin on his face. Mm -hmm. Not in the room... With Miller to know, and of course, so much has changed about interviewing hockey players since then. Anyways, anyways, he ripped the media, acknowledged, enjoyed stirring the pot. He said he was wholly concerned with optics last year because of three or four moments, and of course, these were arguments with teammates, stick slamming against the net. Let the media define his season. He admitted he had regrets about last year. Then he was asked to name players he's close with on the team, and he named as many ex-Canucks as he did current teammates. (laughs) So, you know, like, 
reading what he had to say or listening to what he had to say and then reading between the lines, I think it told you a whole lot about JT Miller. The draft, Canucks were lauded for finally addressing the blue line in a big way. They took four defensemen amongst their seven picks, including three straight off the top of the lottery. Others weren't so enamored with the class, believing first-round pick Tom Wheelander is somewhat of a reach without the offensive upside you'd want from a, an 11th overall. Still other, others believe the Canucks will be haunted by passing on Chilliwack's Zach Benson, a forward who went 13th overall to Buffalo, so two picks later. Wheelander going to play at Boston University this season alongside 7th-round pick Aiden Celebrini. Had a good interview with Jay Pandolfo a couple weeks ago, the head coach of BU. Invite you to go back and listen to that with regards to the two Canucks picks who will be in his charge. And then trades. Trivia, when was the last Vancouver Canucks trade? The last of any mm-hmm. sort. Mm-hmm. The last Vancouver Canucks Don't trade. look it up, Grady. Um... I wasn't even paying attention. I can't so. even think of it. March 3rd, trade deadline. Curtis Lazar and Wyatt Kalinyuk. Wow. No wonder I forgot it. They didn't make a single trade all summer. Not even a low-level one. Yeah, not even picks trade. Not a picks trade. Not a stalled-out prospect for stalled-out prospect. Draft a swapping not a, future hey, we like that journeyman you've got. Like, not a single one since... Trade deadline. And of course, it was chronic a couple days before the trade deadline. Yeah. Of course, that could change after September 15th when Myers gets his $5 million bonus. Maybe. And becomes more cost-effective around the league. That's welcome out for today. We invite your feedback. Feedback channels as follows on email. Live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Secures, at Price. And the welcome out of presentation of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL, 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, and they are all proudly Canadian-owned and operated. Sikerson Price from Wall Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group and hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com, Blake. Lead us off, why don't you? At SportsCenter with an ER, Giancarlo Stanton is the fourth fastest player to reach 400 career home runs. He trails only Mark McGuire, Babe Ruth, and Alex Rodriguez. Um, I feel like he's tailed off in recent years. <laughs> yeah, he sure has. Uh, I don't think we're going to reach for 500, Giancarlo. I, no, I, you never maybe know. Maybe he sticks around. And but it does speak to chips away what an amazing it. start to the career mm-hmm. that he absolutely had, that he's oh. still even on this Really short list with uh, the way he's waned here. Do you remember when he first arrived, how we thought, this is baseball god. Look at him. Yeah. The The size, the power, you know, exactly. All those things. He's 33 right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's having a 22 home run career, uh, home run uh, season. I mean, that's not, no, that's not bad. Um, but it's a far cry from 59. I mean, wow. I mean, the, the guy looks like he could wake up and hit 40 in a season. Yeah. At offside DH. <whistles> Former Canucks coach Boudreaux lands new junior hockey gig. 
Bruce Boudreaux is going to serve as an advisor to the Niagara Ice Dogs of the Ontario Hockey League, in part because his son, his son Ben has been named an associate coach there. So he says he's going to help the Ice Dogs in any way he can. And uh, Blake, he was last in the OHL, or when it was known at the time as the OHA, 49 years ago as a player with the Toronto Marlboros. Ben, by the way. Who we've had on the show and it's a terrific yeah. conversation. He's an ECHL champion from 2021, but he's he lost in the first round back-to-back years with the Fort Wayne Comets, so his four-year stint there came to an end. But he goes from a head coach in the ECHL to an associate coach mm-hmm. in the OHL, does Ben Boudreaux, alongside Pops. Well, Pops from afar. Yeah. That's going to be a fun team But you know Bruce will show up there several times and it will create quite a stir because he'll have time for everybody. Well, I wonder if that's almost exactly what's going to happen. He'll just be sort of a mascot around the game to some degree. Boudreaux mm-hmm. bobblehead night. Mm-hmm. Great excuse for a Boudreaux bobblehead night. At Daily Face. Does, go ahead. Does anybody fit the bobblehead mo- mode more than Bruce? Need to add a little pink shading when he gets eaten. Like, I, mean, I, I just. It's an easy mold. I'm not sure anybody has ever lent themselves better to be bobblehead headed than Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, it's an easy one to create. Mm-hmm. At Daily Faceoff, Bill Armstrong signs extension to remain GM of the Arizona Coyotes. Notable on two fronts. Oh, wow. What's his playoff record? Exactly. Notable on that front that, really, he's done such a good job that he gets an extension mm-hmm. doing. What exactly? Well, I think it's about cost there. Um, they are. I think they will be an eighty-something point team this year too. I think. I don't think they're going to be putrid. Um, but it's also notable on this front, Matt. It means matching suits will continue at the All NHL right. entry draft. The eye roll king mm-hmm. of the National Hockey League will remain atop his throne. Yeah, we've heard for several years now that. Some of the scouts and personnel. Well, the rest of the league, I think, is going, really? Well, I think some of the scouts and all that don't necessarily love the fact that there's a dress code yeah, and uniform. Yeah. Why why do we look like we're employees at a fast food chain every year? Did you know Bill Armstrong coached at one point? He coached the Providence Bruins. He was preceded by Peter Laviolette. He was succeeded by Mike Sullivan. Ooh. I'm going to guess that Bill Armstrong was the huggy bear sort of coach in between the middle of right. two yes. fire breathers. Hey, the former. All, all three have gone on to the National yeah. Hockey League. Doing great things, so. Well done, Providence Bruins. Yeah, exactly. Of, uh, the early, well, late century and early 2000s. At Pro Hockey Rumors. <whistles> the Canadians know which goalie they want to move. Now it's a matter of finding a team that has an opening in the cap space to acquire him. Story goes on to say that if they had their druthers, the Montreal Canadiens would prefer to keep Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau as their goaltending duo. Problem, they acquired Casey DeSmith from Pittsburgh, uh, getting involved as a broker there in the Air Carlson trade. And so... They have three NHL goalies on one-way contracts heading into camp here. DeSmith is the one that is available. 
He makes $1.8 million, 32 years old now. He's posted a 281 career goals against average and 912 save percentage in 134 games for Pittsburgh since debuting in 2017. I know the Canucks do not have cap space right now, and I know they have said, hey, we're happy with our goaltending situation. We think Martin or Siloff's going to be the backup. But I do wonder with the history there in Pittsburgh, whether this is a player that might interest them if they do feel like they have some exposure and need more of a veteran NHL backup. You don't have the cap space now, but who knows what's going to happen with Tyler Myers here, who of course knows what happens with injuries, plus there would be the ability for the Canadians to retain. Yeah. I just, I do wonder if whether that backup, veteran backup goalie issue goes quietly into the night or whether there's going to be another flurry here on it. Much like I, I have the same wonders about the big winger. Remember, they went into this offseason hoping I add a, you know, a sizable forward who had some thump on the wing, and they haven't really done that either. I, I think it's going to be a weird preseason. I think we could see some significant player moves still in the month of September. Uh, for cap reasons, just for roster necessity reasons, um, I, I think there's going to be upwards of a handful, between two and five, like significant moves in the preseason training camp sort of part of the calendar here. Hmm. I think I, I think people are positioning now for for next year when well, they know there's going to be cap space. Still have a lot of trade candidates out there. Still have some free agent guys. Still, out still there. have free agents. So I, I and John Shannon mentioned this to us a few weeks ago. He thought September could be a busier transaction month than normal, or, or into early October. Yeah, you don't tend to see. And, and John said to us last week. He did a survey and he thought about a third of the league told him basically we're set. We know what we're going going into the season with. That's still a significant number of teams that are looking to change something or have some question marks that they're hoping to resolve in training camp and preseason. I'm out. Okay. At uh, Ava R. Wallace with the giant crowds. The young, diverse, and exciting players, the Haley and Justin Bieber of it all. U.S. Open tennis is having a moment. You could see it all at Shelton versus Tiafo last night. And incidentally, that's the first match between men of color on Arthur Ashe Stadium, fittingly so, this deep into the U.S. Open. I watched a fair bit of it. Boy, this Shelton kid looks like he's the next coming. I mean, talk about a guy who's put yep. together and looks like the prototype. Huge, tall, long-levered, left-hander, massive serve. He's 20 years old. This is the deepest an American of that youth has gotten in the U.S. Open since Michael Chang. And, of course, as we've always said about the U.S. Open crowd, Blake, it's the most fun crowd in tennis. It's one of the great crowds in sport, particularly the late-night crowds there and last night's match went deep into the New York night. I mean it was almost past my bedtime out here in the Pacific time zone. But between him and Coco Goff looking like a Venus Serena hybrid. She's just destroying people right now. And did you see Justin Bieber's glasses? 
I, I didn't. I, he was sort of unrecognizable. I only saw a fleeting glimpse of him, um, but I, he almost looked unrecognizable. He looked like a professor, or, I don't know, mixed with Andy Warhol or something. Uh, uh, you know what? Andy Warhol, Andy Warhol is a good shout there. He, um, yeah, I, I mean. Hey, he's his style maven, you know? He's exactly. Gonna, yeah. You know, he's got the polka dot baseball cap backwards. He's got the oversized pink rimmed shades. I mean, they kind of look superhero in one regard. And, uh, you know, he's kicking it there at the tennis. Have some fun. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a, a fun rest of the week there at Flushing. And that's, that's hashtags for today. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. Still discovering so many features of the fabulous Mitsubishi Outlander from Applewood Mitsubishi in the Richmond Auto Mall. The keyless entry, the quilted leather seats, the massive screen, touchscreen that uh, works better. But not all touchscreens are equal, by the way. Technology is important, and some you've got to push more firmly. Some you've got to push like 80 times before it registers. This one seems about as responsive and as crisp and easy to use as I've ever encountered in an automobile. Go take one for a test drive. I still have yet to get to the gas station. I'm a month in. Mm. Three quarters of a tank, folks. Doesn't that sound good? Mm. Go to the Richmond Auto Mall, Applewood Mitsubishi. It seems to have an invisible touch, yeah. Why are we singing that song? Mm-hmm. Oh. Nice to meet you, Phil. Why does it have to be Phil? What can it be, Mike? Can it be Peter? Well, that that particular song is Phil. That's true. Yeah. But our poll question, which player do you think had a great summer, quote unquote, for coach talk at Brock Besser, Andre Kuzmenko, Vasily Puttgolson? Or if you're voting other, please specify in reply. We know coach wanted a great summer. But our line of the day for me. I think it's my favorite bet on the NFL card this weekend. I would not be surprised if this is the year where Cincinnati has some trouble. Joe Burrow's already been nicked here in preseason. And that Cleveland team at home smelling blood in the water with that pass rush, with the, which they've added to over the offseason, against your in-state rival who has effectively become big brother here over the last few years. I think the Browns are going to play inspired football. Give me Cleveland to win the game straight up, plus 125 on your Bodog line of the day. As always, on a Wednesday, joined by our good friend Frankie Corrado from TSN. Only this time we, we have Jeff Patterson helping to join into the fray, even though Matt is back on the show today as well. Frank, how are you, sir? Good. How you guys doing? Very yeah, well. Doing well. We're past Labor Day, so we're very excited. We see signs of, of hockey ahead. Um, maybe that's changed for you now that you're in the media. But what does is, what is Labor Day, the passing of Labor Day, mean for you as far as the hockey season? As, as a player, Labor Day was always like the target day for when I want to be ready to essentially start training camp, right? Like I think if you're waiting to to get yourself ready later into the month, it's like, you're almost cutting it close. So, you know, for Labor Day, it means a lot of guys are reporting to their teams or or traveling out. And it's like you get to the point in the summer where 
the workouts have really gotten shorter and you're not lifting as much and you're really focused on um, kind of maintaining what you've done throughout the summer. And it's more speed based, I guess, if you want to um, describe it any type of way. And then, you know, on the ice now, it's like you're pretty much ready to go. Like you got two weeks here before camp is, is really going to get going and, and the pace is going to pick up. But um, now's the time. I think, I think on the media side of things, it's a little different because, you know, we just, there's so many variables, broadcast schedules, who's taking what game, uh, who's working where. So I think like, as a player, you can control kind of how your body was and, and where you were at with your conditioning and your on ice preparation, all that kind of stuff. I think as, as a broadcaster in the media, you almost look at it, you're like, I got a few more weeks here before it is full steam ahead. And, you know, we go right through to the playoffs. There's, there's a lot of nights. So it's two different ways of looking at it. But, you know, I just, it was always like my target date. Labor Day comes around, summer's officially over. There's like maybe one round of golf a week happening if you're lucky. It's like we're on the ice five days a week and, and we're ready to roll getting into training camp. The Canucks had two options last January. They could have just continued their course and been players in the Conovidard lottery, but this management group elected to make a coaching change. Uh, and the thinking was Rick Tockett could get 36 games as he did and instill values and systems and everything else. How much is that going to help when they hit the ground at training camp in Victoria? So I, I think Blake and I were talking about this last year. And there's there's two things that you got to keep in mind. Like if, if you want to talk about the team playing well and momentum, like that doesn't really play into it, you know, come, going into this season. But I will say that if, if Tockett went in there and he laid his foundation as far as what he wants away from the puck, uh, the philosophies he wants to establish with the puck, those kinds of things at this time of year are going to be easier for guys to wrap their head around because, like you said, they got the 36 games and there's just a little more familiarity with it. Even how he wants to communicate things, I think sometimes for players, you know, that's something that takes a little adjusting, right? There's some coaches, they're going to be super blunt and upfront with you. And there's some coaches, they just, quite frankly, don't talk to you unless they absolutely have to. Um, Talkit is one of those guys that takes a lot of initiative to go out and talk to his players and reach out and see, um, you know, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. So I, I think players will appreciate that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, looking back at last year, if the foundations were laid, it's going to be easier for guys to, to kind of pick up on things going into training camp. But let's not kid ourselves. Like it's a brand new season. And, you know, when you get off to whatever kind of start you get off to, that's going to set the tone for your season. So if you want to play, be playing in garbage time by February, chances are you had a really bad start. And whatever you did the year before didn't really carry over into this season. So um, it's like the games really matter right at the start of the season. And it'll be up to the team to kind of get up to speed and say, we're not playing garbage time hockey anymore. We're not trying to finish in 10th place. Like we want to be playing meaningful games down the stretch here, you know, either two points in or two points out of a playoff spot on any given day. Travis Green's training camps kind of took on a life of their own with the bag skate. And we all seen the, remember the picture of Olea Levy, basically, you know, sealing his fate as a member of the Canucks lying prone in the corner uh, out in Abbotsford a couple of years ago. From a player's perspective though, Frank, like, how much anticipation is there, I suppose, for new guys to the Canuck organization, or you were a new player in different cities as well, You know, getting the feel for a head coach and how he conducts a training camp? I, I think first impressions are so important as a player. 
And it's just, there's just something about getting off on the right foot and you just don't want to be chasing it, you know, climbing uphill, um, you know, trying to get on the right side of things. And, you know, you, you just don't want to be wasting games. So training camp, obviously for new players is a great way to make a good first impression, but there's like this balance you want to walk as well, right? Where you make a good first impression, you're going hard at training camp. You also got to remember that you're going to be playing with these guys all season long, right? So you know, people tend to make fun of guys that are a little too heroic at training camp, you know, the heroes. It's like you need to find that balance. But no one can really blame you if, if you don't really have a spot on the team and you need to use that training camp to to make yourself assert yourself on the team. Um, you know, when it comes to, to Greener's training camp. And this goes for a lot of coaches. You just know going into that camp, there's one or two things that they're going to do that is going to suck, but you really have to get through it. And I think, you know, when, when you talk about a bag skate or, or fitness testing or skating testing, all these kinds of things, we think about, you know, the time or the amount of repetitions and, you know, essentially the results. I think a lot of the times the coaches are just looking at how do you handle this thing that sucks that you don't want to do that you think is stupid, that probably is stupid and has no bearing on the game. But how do you handle that? Because throughout the course of an 82-game season, there's going to be things that are thrown your way, whether it's the coach that throws it your way or the game itself or the team you're playing. It's like coaches want to know how you're going to handle those situations. So as much as players, we care about these results and the fitness testing and the skate testing and all that kind of stuff, and you want to do well, um, really what coaches want to see is, you know, what's your character? What's your made out, what you're made out of? How do you kind of handle these, these little adversities? Um, so I just, you know, I, I don't like when the fitness testing stuff, players start training for the fitness test instead of training for hockey. It's different to train for an 82-game season than it is to train to do 15 reps of 200 pounds on the bench press or you know, be able to, to do some kind of squat test or deadlift, max deadlift. These things have kind of been phased out now, but I think it's important for the coaches or the, the strength and conditioning staff to realize that if they're going to impose these kind of crazy tests, the players are going to train specifically for it. So that might take them away from their training to be, you know, pliable and flexible and essentially very good hockey players. So there's a balance to be had there uh, that the coaching and, and training staff need to find. Do you train for a coach though? Uh, I mean, like a, a guy knows his own deficiencies. If he wants to improve his shot, he's going to work on his shot. If it, your defenseman didn't like the way you're making your turn last year, your pivot, I mean, you could work on those sorts of things, but do you think any players on the Canucks are thinking, I think Rick will want to see this out of me, so I'm going to do this, so I'm going to work on this? Do you think it, do you think it gets that specific? A hundred percent. I know I did that when I when I played in Toronto. So after I, I left my, my first season in Toronto, I think I was finishing that year at around 194 pounds, 195 pounds. And you're pretty observant. Like you look around and you say, okay, I see one guy, he's 210. One guy, he's 215, another guy that's 205. And I'm like, those guys play every single night. And I know how much the coach, you know, really valued that bigger kind of player, especially on the back end. So I went out that summer and my, my biggest focus was to obviously get stronger, get faster, but get bigger and get heavier. And I went back into the next training camp just under 210 pounds, which I had never, ever been wow. at. Yeah, I, I, I put on 10 pounds at the age of 22 and I obviously like 
my frame. I could never keep that kind of weight on. But that was my mindset. It was like I was going into training camp at just under 210 pounds. And I knew that that was going to be on paper. And I felt good about that. And I'd always be listed that year as six foot one, you know, 208 pounds, right? And, and it's just like, those are the, the dumb things that you think about as a player. But of course, you, you try to appease the coach because ultimately, um, you know, that's that's the guy that that gives you an opportunity on the ice. And that leads to, you know, you uh, doing well and, and making more money. Like, let's be honest, that's what it's all about, right? Obviously, winning's in there as well. But, you know, it's a livelihood thing. You want to take care of your own backyard. Uh, as far as talk, it goes like, you know, everyone's kind of doing similar stuff. Everyone wants their shot to get better, right? Like how many times do we see players come back the next year? Connor McDavid, I think, is one of the best examples. Last year, everyone kept saying, well, a shooting percentage is bound to come down at some point. It never did. Like the guy just worked on his shot. He worked on his release. He could release it from so many different areas on the ice. The guy scored 64 goals. So like there's going to be players that come into this season and you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Well, maybe they, they recognize something that they needed to work on, but absolutely players are going to do something to appease the head coach. Frank, I, wait, wait, I too have, by the way, gained 15 pounds this <laughs> summer for training camp. Will you cop to it right here, right now? Will you cop to the fact that you sought out some sort of Maple Leaf literature that had your weight at 208 to make sure that it was like updated? It, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was 208 or 210, but I remember that year like well into the season you know how the stats pack would, would yeah. kind of, you know, the media pack would go to the team and the media every single game. I remember looking at it thinking, I think I weigh like 198 pounds right now. But on paper, <laughs> that was my weight at training camp, right? And I actually, um, in the summer, I was, I was skating at the, it was called the MasterCard Center at the time. I think it's called the Ford Performance Center, which was our, our practice facility. And I hadn't seen Babs all summer. And he walks in the room and he's kind of looking around and look, we make eye contact. He's like, uh, you look bigger. I said, yeah, I'm 210. And so that was, I just, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm 210 pounds. Like, so ho- hopefully you like it, but I, he didn't like it. That's so, my middle name, yeah. 210. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing around the Canucks skating right now is the appearance of Tanner Pearson, who looks like he's ready to be a National Hockey League player, ready to be a professional Hockey League player. We'll see what league he's playing in to start the season at the very least. But um, imagine if you're Vasily Pod Colson right now and you see Tanner Pearson um, you know, at these skates. I don't know that he would have been on the menu for – for minutes competition for Vasily Podkoles and, you know, a month and a half ago, but now all of a sudden Vasily's got to think, oh, shoot, there's another physical kind of forward, a winger that I'm going to be competing for minutes for, uh, with, yeah. you know, do you think it changes some of the mindsets of, of some players to see him out there? If it, I don't know if it changes the mindset because for a guy like Pod Colson, like he was going to have to really earn it at training camp, anyways. But mm-hmm. I, I think if anything, it's like there, it's a it's a little reality check of what the NHL is and can be for a young player trying to make their way. Like you know, you, you count someone out because you think there's a medical issue, and all of a sudden they're back. And by the way, Tanner Pearson is you know an experienced NHL player who's had a lot of success, scored a lot of goals, and. Uh, quite frankly, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if he gets into good shape and, and, and Rick Tockett thinks he can help the team, I think he can help the team as well. And, you know, I think it was Jeff, you kind of talked about how in January where, you know, this team could have gone one way or the other and they chose to kind of keep relevant in the playoff race. 
if I'm the head coach and I see that this guy in Tanner, Pe- Tanner Pearson, um, you know, come back into the mix, I'm really happy about that. I'm excited about that because now it adds another element of a player who's kind of been there, done that, understands what the NHL grind is like. And I would imagine, you know, Tanner Pearson is what, 31 years old? Like he's got game left. He's, he's not, you know, he's not done by any stretch of the imagination. And if anything, you know, the last year or so where, where Tanner Pearson has been out of the lineup has made him, you know, hungrier to, to get back in and, um, you know, never really come out again. So, um, listen, for, for the young wingers, there, there's going to be opportunity. I know there's a lot of them, um, but it, it just seems like they're all kind of clumped in, in the same regard here. Tanner Pearson, for me, if he's feeling good and healthy and, and ready to go, he's like one step above that. Um, and, and if anything, it helps, you know, guys that are going to lead the way on this team, like your, your Pedersons and uh, your Quinn Hughes on the back end. But like, it's just going to help having more guys that have been there, done that and um, are very good. Tanner Pearson, like everybody was once a rookie, the NHL, NHLPA rookie showcase going on at the Capitals training facility uh, outside of Washington. No Canucks this year. Uh, but I, that can't really be a slight on the organization. I mean, it's cyclical. They've come through a run where Pedersen and Hughes and before that Besser uh, were all front and center and were all finalists and, in Pedersen's case, rookie of the year. Um, did you ever get that call, Frank? A, a young Frank Corrado? Did you ever get the call to it? This is a sore spot for me. This is a oh, this oh. is something I, I, I have held a grudge on, okay? <laughs> I, I, I got called up after junior. I played three regular season games. I played four playoff games. And then the following summer, they had this rookie card showcase thing, and I wasn't invited. And I asked my agent, I said, what's going on here? How does this, like, I have seven NHL games to my name. These guys, there's a lot of them there. You know, they might have been drafted before me, might have been drafted after me. Why are, why are some of these guys there? And the way he explained it to me was this. At the time, there were two rights holders. It was Panini and it was Upper Deck. And Panini wanted me there and Upper Deck apparently didn't. And I was so pissed about that because it's kind of cool. Like, I love sports cars as a kid. Like, I have, I probably still have all my hockey cards in a binder with the autographs and all that stuff. And I could never wrap my head around it. And then I started thinking, wait a second. Vancouver is a massive Canadian market with a massive fan base. I'm like, why wouldn't why wouldn't they want me there? Like, how does the tie not go to me in that situation? Right. There's like, good business decisions. Exactly. To bring like you even there. at yes. even at 20 years old, I was like, wait a second, what's what's the business behind this? Like, no offense to some of the American markets, okay? <laughs> like Nashville is an unbelievable place to watch a game, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, why is there two guys from Nashville? Or like, why is there like the ties got to go to the Canadian team? I I never understood it. So Jeff, I wish I could tell you what it's all about being at this thing, <laughs> signing the cards. Like P- Panini America at the time, they sent me a card deal. I did all the autographs. It was great. It wasn't until I got picked up by Toronto that finally Upper Deck gave me a little something to sign a couple Gee, cards. Surprise, surprise! But you see <laughs> yeah. that? You see that, Blake? It's like you got to go to Toronto. For, for us to notice you, I'm like, guys, you got to get out to Vancouver. It's unbelievable city. The fan support is great. But anyways, that's uh, that's still a sore spot for me. How many uh, Frank Corrado cards do you have in your possession right now? If we opened up the closet, went into the attic, wherever you got them, how many Frank Corrado cards do you own? Let's put it this way. 
there's more here between my house, my in-laws, and my parents' house than there is anywhere else in the world combined. <laughs> so where I'm from... You've hoarded. Yeah, so where, where I'm from, you know, in, in Vaughan, Ontario, apparently the story goes that there's more Italians here than there is anywhere else combined. Now, I don't know if that's true, but that's the way the hockey cards are. We have more hockey cards of me in our possession than anyone else does combined. So, um, yeah, I mean, listen, they're they're pretty cool... Um, Pretty cool pieces of memorabilia. I never thought, you know, when I was a kid that I would have my own real hockey card with stats on the back and an NHL jersey. So it's uh, it, it was always, you know, one of those kind of pinch me moments to see the hockey cards. All the cards ended up there because of the Italian quotient. It, perhaps it should come as no surprise. And of the two card companies that wanted or uh, that were taking part, the one that wanted you was named Panini. Yeah. And actually, my dad made a really cool piece of memorabilia with a lot of my rookie cards. I'm going to, once we finish the interview, I'm going to send you a picture and you guys can put it up if you want. I would love that. Uh, Can't wait to talk to you next week as well. Enjoy it. We're getting closer to hockey season. Frank is right around the corner. Thanks, guys. Let's to the people. To the people. Yes. Let's go to those people, shall we? I have to go to the people. I miss the people there. It's been a long, frustrating time for people here. To the people we go. To the people we go, brought to you by our man of the people, Jason Hominick of Jason.Mortgage. And a reminder, Jason doesn't just do residential mortgages. He does commercial mortgages, too. If you're a business owner looking to buy your building, a builder or developer looking for options beyond your bank, get Jason's expert opinion. Find him. At Jason.Mortgage. Responses to our Bodog poll question last week, can Tanner Pearson help the Canucks? Daddy C2 says he can help the Canucks the most by being on LTIR, having his agent facilitate a trade with no cap retention, or retiring. Very harsh, Daddy. Yeah, Daddy. Daddy. Come on. There's there's no facilitating a trade. Nobody knows if the guy can play Mm -hmm. still. There's no trade here. No. Josh Zamboni guy, yes, indeed, he looks good and helps in the bottom six. He looks bad and goes on LTIR and clear space. I want him 100% healthy and helping with our depth over LTIR. But either way, he helps out the Canucks. There's a positive spin. House of reality. If he's healthy, we are soft as shit on the wings. We need his defensive acumen and experience. Obviously, if he looks like he can't keep up anymore, then he should be malhotred. But we do need more big defensively capable wingers. I'll hear that argument. The, the Malhotra uh, reference, folks, if you're forgetting, is the Canucks management basically said, we don't think you should be playing anymore. Right. And kind of forced his retirement. Well, in his case, all. though, they, 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 they couch in terms of a safety issue that yes. they didn't think he could see. Yeah, and that can't really be done here with, with a hand. Yeah. AJ, absolutely. He plays big hockey, very useful, winning battles along the board. Scarbacon, ship him off to Long Island for a fifth, and everybody's happy. VJ, too slow, lacks intensity. Tockett wants dogs. Pearson isn't one. I think most people would dispute that part, the mm-hmm. intensity part. Mustard Sports, a third-line winger, will never move the bar any noticeable amount. We waste too much money for me to have much confidence in the team in general. And then Chuck says a hard cap system really dehumanizes players. Sad reality is a healthy person is a detriment to the Canucks playoff hopes because of his cap hit and foot speed. I feel terrible to say this about a top-notch human being who's who's been through too much. We've said this before about the cap, is that it, it, it makes you think of 
legitimate players mm-hmm. as non-legitimate players because they don't fit your puzzle anymore, right. even though they're actually fully skill-wise capable of playing in the National Hockey League. Now, we don't yet know if that applies to Pearson, but we've said this about guys like Myers, like OEL even. Would you have them on your team for $2 million a year? Absolutely. And somebody mm-hmm. has already done that with OEL. And I think if you could get Myers at $2 million, you'd probably say, yeah, I'd have him as my third mm-hmm. line. But he doesn't work in your puzzle. Comments on our Monday Labor Day show. Unveiling Piero Manetta, the fan behind mm-hmm. the bench. C-Max says, the most famous, but no one knows. Mike says he's a responsible adult who puts ear defenders on his children at games. We've watched his kids grow up in the first <laughs> row. If he misses a game, I notice. Weird. Yeah, it's funny. Trevor says they're the worst seats. I see this guy all the time, so props to him. But that row sucks. Can't see shit. He would would beg to differ. Yeah, exactly. He wouldn't have it any other way. (laughs) Uh, TJ says he looks like Stallone. Yeah, he's got a little bit of that to him. And um, the kid says, I've seen him more than my dad. (laughs) Yeah. Josh, the Zamboni guy, tell me I'm wrong. September 15th is the day to watch regarding the Canucks. Will a phone number be called? Will an email be sent to Central Registry? That will be the day where we find out if the Canucks value cap space over wingspan. Hashtag Myers bonus. We chronicled this yesterday. The 10-day countdown began yesterday Mm. to September the 15th. On our John Shannon interview, Tony says the Canucks lack a proper custom practice facility. It's nothing short of a disgrace in today's NHL. But that's simply a reflection of the team's poor ownership. Yeah, we have somebody else asking, and it's – let me get the name here. Sorry. Um, how is there an ownership group that's a developer not have a practice yeah. facility? Oh, yeah, here it is. Clinker, how is a team owned by a family that made its money in real estate could never fund the real estate for a practice well, if you talk to some people, they'll say there was one or two sites that were in play and mm. things uh, broke down. Basil says there's no chance of a rink at Jericho Comical. The stakeholders of that site want their 40,000 people and there's not going to be room to jam a sheet of paper in. May well be the case. Into the uh, Great Clips inbox we go. Tell me I'm wrong. If Dylan Brooks played hockey, he would have been on the 2011 Canucks. That's <laughs> from basketball. In the Aaron Hill. Rome uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, or Alex Burroughs even. Like, yeah, he's, right. he's a feisty, do-everything sort of player. So, Tyler, tell me I'm wrong. Every time the CFL has a weekend like this past one, it is a missed opportunity to get the PR teams on social media saying, were you not entertained and highlighting big performances? Tyler, I see a lot of people doing that for the PR teams. And frankly, I think most of them do do that. Some, some fall their teams are better. Yeah. Some teams are better than others. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people... Point to the Labor Day weekend as the signature weekend in the Canadian Football League regular season. And the Battle of Alberta and the Battle of the Prairies were outstanding games. Both of them. Coach Mark on the uh, rule changes in Europe that uh, everybody was buzzing about. The NHL should have a two-minute penalty in the other team's offensive zone. And a three-minute play in their own defensive zone as the mm-hmm. defending team could have prevented the other team from scoring on that particular play. If you take a penalty in your own offensive zone, it's less egregious than mm-hmm. you clinging to your fingertips. I, I, I mean, I, I get it. It gets a little bit confusing. I like the Champions League changes for the most part, mm-hmm. except for the 
if you score, that every two-minute penalty needs to be served in full. I don't like that. Well, here's Dan. Two issues with the new rules. If there's a major penalty but the shortened team scores, does it wipe out the full five-minute major or just the two minutes? Just the two minutes. And two, if a team... If teams are on the power play for the full time, regardless of how many goals are scored, I worry that the refs will be less likely to call marginal penalties to yeah. avoid influencing the game further if yeah. more goals are scored. That, that, that's a great part, and that's the one I have a problem with. Is because um, also you know in washout games, if there's an mm-hmm. obvious tripping call, so it's four one five one already, Matt, in the third period, obvious tripping call, so you got to call it, and then the team is right got a full two minutes where mm-hmm. they could score two more, and it's seven yep. one. Like it, 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 there's no point in that. Tell me I'm wrong. It is not, quote, old school hockey to expect your $5 million employee to be dialed into the program and not go traveling to Indonesia for two months. It would be negligent not to expect your players to be 100% committed to the project. I mean, if if the, you're objecting the term, Michael, fair enough. I do think one can prepare themselves and execute an off-season workout program abroad. But they are proof prof- will be in the pudding. They are professionals. There is an element of trust that has to be given to the player mm-hmm. to be prepared by the time training camp arrives. And if that player is not, mm-hmm. as a full print, not a rookie, we're talking about a guy well into his career. If he's not ready, well, then that's on him. And that's that's going to be something that dogs him mm-hmm. in his career. Chris and Chilliwack now, Agassi says, oh, he got it wrong. He called them by the old name. The Elks go on a run and sneak into the playoffs, either through the last spot in the West or the crossover in the East. Basketball Phil had this one, too. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Let one get away, though, yeah. at McMahon on Monday. And then lastly, we got a, uh, a hot take here from Adam, the former Bath guy. The moves made by the Seattle Mariners at the trade deadline will ultimately come back to haunt them, leading to a team falling out of the playoff race entirely, costing the coach and GM their jobs. Well, as we detailed earlier, lost three in a row, fallen out of the division lead. Brian Wu did not look good the other day. And you wonder whether Seawald could, I mean, the bullpen fell apart last night, has been excellent. Munoz was the AL reliever of the month. But you do, yeah. I mean, Seawald obviously helps because he's a left-handed power reliever, you know, high-leverage r- reliever. And as I said at the time, this team was probably a batter too short. There weren't great options out there, but there were low-cost veteran options out there that you wonder whether they would have helped during this stretch or in what's left. Awesome. They are getting Kalenic back, so we'll see uh, if that... Speaking of throwing away wins, I mean, yesterday they can't oh. throw away that one. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, you're up that much. Mm. Um. So you're preaching the choir here, Adam. I'll go hot. Uh, I'll go hot, too. Hot, hot, hot. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us, 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Errors and omissions from... Well, I'll say yesterday's show, but it's actually Monday show and from Friday's show. On uh, the write-up with regards to Piero Minetta, said behind the Canucks bench, he's behind the visitors bench. And then John Shannon on Friday talking about Sergey Gonchar, mentioning he's still part-time because he uh, is living on the East Coast. He, 
He lives in Texas. So that's it. That's all. Unless Grady Sass has uh, unearthed anything, and of course, yesterday's show was perfect. Perfect, right, Blake? Yesterday's show, uh, absolutely. Yeah, people were calling faultless. in. They're like, "That was that was the perfect show." Like, never thought I would hear the perfect sports yeah. talk radio or sports talk presentation. And there it was yesterday. Nobody could put their finger on why, but it was <laughs> it was pretty spectacular. Bodog line of the daytime with Blake Price. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Do you like what you got? Uh, it's just unbelievable as I sneak a peek ahead to Friday. Like the fine folks at Bodog have a Canada USA final based on the odds. Mm-hmm. Minus two twenty for Canada, minus five hundred for the Americans. Mm-hmm. Are we are we really going there? I think we're going there. I think it's finally happening, Blake. Wow, versus Big Brother with nothing to lose. Got to take care of Serbia first at minus two twenty on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe. To our show and Rinkwide, wherever you get your podcast, follow us on social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.